What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is Wednesday, October 7th, middle of the week. Uh, shit is going down across the NFL. You know, my thing, I'm never really going to get too much into the COVID test and my opinions on how the league should be operating. I'm happy we have football. If we lose it for a little bit, it's going to suck, obviously. Clearly, the league has to do the right thing um, if it gets out of hand like it's slowly approaching. You know, now we're at a point where, you know, Tennessee it might be affecting this Bills game upcoming this week. We had gone two days without positive tests, but then two more today. Uh, obviously, the situation in New England is a little sketchy. Um, you know, Stefan Gilmore is now tested positive. You know, they just played the Chiefs. Um, so this thing could could really start spreading and getting extremely out of hand. You know, the Raiders, it, you know, the Falcons had their rookie corner, A.J. Terrell. It, it could get out of hand. Uh, but I don't, I'm not here to tell you what the league should do or what they shouldn't do. If we have football, I'm going to be happy. If we don't, I'm going to be sad. But, um, you know, that's just the way the world works. Uh, so, I, I you know... Uh, to say, oh, the NFL should be doing that, that's not kind of my, my thing. If you give me football, I'm happy. If you don't, I understand, kind of move on from there. So, you know, the stuff that we're going to be talking about today is not going to be any, any you know, crazy stuff with, uh, with COVID. Um, you know, I was initially planning on just doing my top 10 teams in the NFL through the first quarter of the season, but... Um, we've had, you know, a couple, couple news uh, stories come out the last few weeks that I find very interesting, that, or I guess in the last, you know, day that we need to discuss. Um, first being the Texans moving on from GM, head coach, play caller Bill O'Brien after what was a, you know, successful run in Houston, but never was able to get over the hump. And as it got worse, it got... Um, it, it, it was a steep decline to now where they're in a position where they're 0-4 with one of the top five quarterbacks in football. Um, they have the highest payroll this year. They do not have draft picks uh, in the first or second round. They don't have their own first or second round draft picks next year. They do have um, a second round pick from the Arizona Cardinals as part of that trade. Speaking of which, you know, that was one of the biggest... Um, jokes of the offseason around the league was how did DeAndre Hopkins get traded for a second round pick and David Johnson on a very bad contract. Um, that was a really bad move. There have been reports that players just didn't like Bill O'Brien, that he had lost the locker room, which isn't surprising to me, you know, the way that he's, you know, I, I the problem is, as we see, there's one guy across all of sports that can handle the job of being a GM and a head coach, and that is Bill Belichick. He's the only guy that can do it. He's, he's God. He's Jesus. He's the only guy. It, the NBA, it never works. The NFL, it doesn't work. Um, I know the Patriots have, you know, quote-unquote their GM, but you, we all know Bill is basically running the show up in New England when it comes to moves like that. Um, so, look, Bill, to me, was never a great play caller. Um, he, he did a lot of the, you know, um, the biggest thing that he would do that, you know, in the analytics world is like, what the hell are you doing is like, you know, he would have a running back go off for like, you know, maybe a 20 yard rush and then they'd go right back the very next play and give him another run. And obviously 
you know, you need to give your running backs, you know, breathers sometimes after, you know, long runs like that. And then they're stuck in a second and nine situation. So they're always, there's always things like that in the analytic world that um, Bill O'Brien was, you know, laughed at for. Um, but really the problems just grew as his responsibilities did. And in a position where you have, like I said, you know, you have to maximize this time with Deshaun Watson. They already have the highest payroll in the league and Deshaun Watson's contract extension, you know, and in, in I think it believe, I believe it'll kick in two years from now. This is the window to make it work. It's going to be a, an uphill battle to make things work with the way that this roster is currently constructed. The defense is, um, you know, a mix of aging players like J.J. Watt. Um, you know, they've got Zach Cunningham, one of the best inside linebackers in football. Secondary is very shaky. Depth in the front seven is very shaky. The offensive line outside of Laramie Tunsil is very bad. Uh, Linder has been pretty good, so I guess I'll give him two out of five offensive linemen have been good. Uh, of course, the downside with Tunsil, you're paying him an absurd amount of money. It was a ridiculous contract, in my opinion, um, for a left tackle that consistently is leading the league in penalties every year. Um, so, you know, really, then you got to take a look at the wide receivers. You have talent there, but talent that gets hurt frequently. In, in Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller, um, you know, so it's like how available will they, can they make it through a full season? So far, they're healthy. I wish them good health. I never want to see players get hurt, but it's proven now after several years that they struggle to stay healthy. Um, and then at running back, yeah, you can move on from the David Johnson salary pretty quickly, but, um, you know, if you traded away DeAndre Hopkins to get a player back, you obviously, you want the player you got in return to be on the roster, so... You know, really, it was just a shit situation to me. The what it will be very interesting to see is where they move forward with this, because um, as a head coach, this is a very enticing job to take, despite all of those problems. You know, despite um, despite having things like you know a, a bad you know a shaky roster, tough contracts. If you take a look at the head coaching jobs that'll be available after this season, none will be more enticing than the Texans, simply because of Deshaun Watson. You know, he can carry bad teams to playoffs, um, to the playoffs. You know, this year's a little different, especially with their own four-star. I obviously still believe that they could turn it around. Um, you know, I still think this has a potential of a, an 8-8 eight and eight type team. Um, if they don't, you know, ship it in this season and, and just say, okay, we're going to wait for high draft picks. So it's a very tight Well, they don't have a very high draft pick, so that would make no sense at all. Um, so, you know, they, they got to try and <laughs> they got to try and win this year, obviously, you know, get to 500, see what you can do in the division. Um, it, it's an enticing job for a head coach. Now, the GM, obviously, uh, not as enticing, but it's a fun project to work with. Okay, how can we, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's fun in kind of the same sense where it's like, what can we build around this unreal talent at quarterback? But at the same time, you have an awful cap structure. I think the only team with a worse cap look right now is the Saints. Um, so the Texans, the, the cap is tough to figure out. You have no top of draft picks of your own. You know, if Arizona is even a, a decent team, you're picking for the first time in the middle of the second round. Um, it's a very shaky process. So look, who knows um, what they'll do. Uh, to me, the thing that's interesting is I saw the first name to pop up. Oh, is Josh McDaniels going to take this head coaching job? Uh, for the for Texans fans out there, I hope to God not. What what track record is, is, is out there of 
coordinators from the Bill Belichick tree doing well at all. I have faith in Brian Flores, but I think we're at the point now where we can say like, hey, this is a thing. You know, we've seen it enough. At first, you know, it was like, oh, Josh McDaniels didn't work in Denver. Romeo Cornell didn't work in Cleveland. You know, maybe those are just one-off instances, but you've got Matt Patricia, who is not doing well at all in Detroit. Um, I have full faith in Brian Flores. I am a Flores supporter. He's the one guy I think will kind of go against the grain of, of, you know, this trend that they're on with coordinators. But hiring Josh McDaniels just doesn't, it it seems like you're replacing Bill O'Brien with Bill O'Brien. And I think, you know, obviously, as long as you don't make him the GM as well, too, then hopefully, you know, at least, you know, taking a look at draft picks and building the team, um, he can't do as much destruction. But the biggest problem with, with Josh McDaniels is he wants that control. He brought in all of his buddies, you know, when he took the job. He didn't bring in guys that would have conflicting views. He was he was the guy that was like, this is going to be my team. I do it my way. Um, and, he, and you can't have that. You need conflicting opinions. You need back and forth. So, you know... As a Colts fan, I'm sad to see Bill O'Brien go. It was very um, nice to see the way that he had kind of set this team back. Um, <laughs> but as an NFL fan, as a fan of Deshaun Watson, this is, you know, this sucks. And hopefully they get it right. Um, you know, I don't, there are going to be a lot of coordinators, and obviously they're not going to make a hire until the offseason. So we've got plenty of time to see where this goes. Um, but it is, it's going to be very interesting. So um, that's all. I'll leave it at that. It, just a, a shit show job by Bill O'Brien. I was on the train that he was, it, like, like I say, as a Colts fan, I wanted him to stay around forever. I, you know, he makes, he makes life for the Colts a little bit easier. Um, and, and, you know, he's set them back a few years. But as, as someone who just has, you know, takes a look at, wants every team to, to be, you know, built the right way and to do things the right way. They were not doing things the right way, and a very important decision is coming up. A very important decision, because now you're stretching into the prime of Deshaun Watson. Now you really need to make things work um, with this next coach and GM, so see where that goes. Uh, other topic we want to talk about before the top 10 teams, um, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, basically being given up on in Washington. Crazy story uh, that came out Wednesday morning. Not only is he no longer the backup, or is he no longer the starting quarterback for the Washington football team, he is also, he's now inactive. They moved him to third string. Um, so it looks like, you know, they are totally giving up on the project of developing Dwayne Haskins. To me, This whole situation with Dwayne has been shitty from the start. Obviously, we didn't want to put him in. Obviously, they didn't want to put him in last year. Um, but because of injuries, they had no choice. And that's like, okay, well, we've got our quarterback. I guess we'll just have him try and figure it out. I didn't realize it had been this bad. Um, and, and, you know, for that reason being, I hadn't watched a lot of, you know, Washington football this year. Um, so I was a little caught off guard, honestly, especially going all the way down to QB3. Um, kind of just seems like a big slap in the face. It's it's clear that the Washington football team now is is not trying to win games, I guess. You know, Kyle Allen, if, if they were trying to win games, I would say you throw in Alex Smith. Kyle Allen, to me, is still like, okay, this is just going to be a down year for the Washington football team. Um, but really what's in, interesting here is the future of Dwayne Haskins because obviously a first-round draft pick um, he got fewer starts in than Josh Rosen did before the Cardinals gave up on Josh Rosen. 
And I, I have to give a, you know, I have to applaud a little bit the Washington football team for saying, you know, okay, Haskins isn't going to be our guy. We are going to move on. That's our decision. We're sticking with it. Um, hopefully, you know, they do stick with this because just going back and forth is only going to mess with Haskins' confidence um, if they just keep throwing him in, taking him out, throwing him in, taking him out. Um, so hats off to them for realizing, you know, we need to move on. I always like to criticize teams that hold on to their young quarterbacks too long. Uh, we see it all the time where it's like, hey, Blake Bortles isn't getting better. We need to move on from him. They didn't. They wasted away a Super Bowl window where I believe an average starting quarterback wins them a title in 2017. You know, there, there, there's instances like that all over the league. The Titans held on to Marcus Mariota for too long. The Buccaneers probably held on to Jameis for too long. You know, the Cardinals... They made a great decision. They, they got Josh Rosen. It went poorly. They just said, nah, reboot. We've got the first pick. Kyler Murray is going to be better than Josh Rosen. So far, he is. He looks great. So that was the right move. So if this ends up where they are, you know, getting Trevor Lawrence out of this situation or even, you know, Trey Lance or Justin Fields, perfect. That's a great situation. It just sucks for Haskins because I do believe he has potential as a starter in this league, but... The story from college was he needed time as a backup, and he didn't get that in Washington. They had to throw him in because of injuries. They weren't expecting to play him his rookie season. I was just talking to a friend who, who watches Washington religiously, and he says, look, wherever he goes next, he's not going to be a starter next year. He needs a full extra season on the bench as a developmental project. So I'm going to give you a few teams that I believe I would like to see uh, Dwayne Haskins be traded to, um, you know, moved on from whether it's, you know, whether a team gives up, you know, the draft capital, which I believe it would, you know, Rosen was traded for a second round pick, which we look back at it now and it's like, ooh, that was, that was way too much, way too much because clearly now he's QB three. I don't even believe he's on the Dolphins anymore. So um, really at this point, the return isn't going to be much. You've made it abundantly clear that you are not you don't see him as the future of your franchise, so the asking price is going to be low. Um, but that being said, there are a few teams out there that I think would be good fits. And the first one that I think is the best fit right now is to send him down to Tampa Bay. Get him with the Buccaneers. Tom Brady, I, I, as, as far as I know, he wanted to play multiple seasons in Tampa. So he would be the starter next year. Gives Dwayne a season and a half to work behind the GOAT get the insight, the maturity, learn a lot from him. You get him with a guy that really fits the style of offense that Dwayne can provide. He's got a cannon of an arm. Arm strength is a big thing. Bruce Arians, I think, would, would do really well with him uh, in a developmental role. And plus, you're giving him, you know, eventually, if things work out well, you're giving him Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, an, an electric offense. I've been, in, I've been on the boat of, like, I, I want every developmental quarterback with a strong arm to go to Tampa Bay to learn from Bruce and Tom. I mean, they just offer so much insight. It just makes too much sense. Tampa Bay makes the most sense if it works um, and he can kind of grow and learn and become, you know, learn that maturity, that leadership aspect of a football team from Tom and Bruce. You know, it could pay off so well. It, it, you know, he could learn and then you know, fill in right after Tom leaves. And if he's gotten all that time and he's developing, look, that's great. You know, if, it, if not, it's, you know, it's low risk, high reward um, with Tampa. And another team that I think is just like that um, to a similar degree, and it's a little bit less 
it makes a little bit less sense, sense for me, but I would also consider the San Francisco 49ers. Um, you know, just based off the fact we've seen Nick Mullins, we've seen C.J. Beathard in action replacing Jimmy Garoppolo while he's been hurt. And uh, look, it hasn't been great. Mullins had one really good game against the Giants, and then obviously, you know, Beathard came in at the end against uh, the Eagles and, and almost made that comeback. But I think Kyle would really benefit from a young quarterback uh, who is just extremely raw. There's no pressure to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo yet. Um, you know, there could be if he doesn't make, you know, if he doesn't continue to develop and grow as his contract, you know, only gets bigger and bigger. There is going to be a decision to make there at some point in San Francisco and say, hey, we've got this Dwayne Haskins guy on a rookie contract. Meanwhile, we're paying Jimmy Garoppolo. If we can develop this guy, slowly get him at a point where it becomes feasible to move on from Jimmy, he could be there. So to me, it's another low-risk, high-reward situation. The only reason it's more difficult is because they do have you know, Mullins and Beathard on the roster. So it's like, okay, you're going to have to move on from one of those guys. You're not going to roster four quarterbacks. And if you put Haskins on your practice squad, he's at risk to just, you know... Um, you know, be poached by another team. So I don't know if San Francisco makes a ton of sense right now. Um, but if they're fine moving on from one of Mullins or Beathard, why not take the shot at it? You know, the, you've got a great team. You're going to have to start paying some of these young guys on defense, on the offensive line. You know, years down the road, you're going to have to pay, you know, Debo or, you know, Kittle just got a massive extension. So at some point, you are going to have to... Um, make some strong decisions around the cap. And if Jimmy's not giving you it and, and you've developed a, a strong, um, you feel like Dwayne really grows within the next year and a half, why not start the 2022 season You know, with him if, if he's the right option? Like I'm saying, all this is just low risk, high reward situations. And the third that makes sense to me as well too, I mean, God, you know, I... I I think that the Colts make sense for any young quarterback that is um, that is you know looking for a developmental role. Um, I think you know I think where the Colts are going to be at at the end of this season, as I say, okay, well Philip Rivers' contract is up. We have Jacoby Brissett. We could, you know, there, there's a number of ways this could go. If they don't have a great record, maybe they can get a quarterback in the first round. Maybe they don't even want to entertain trading for someone. Or maybe they say, okay, well, the Giants are going to move on from Daniel Jones, or the Jets are going to move on from Sam Darnold, or the Washington football team is going to move on from Dwayne Haskins. Maybe one of those three teams, you know, the Colts say, let's trade for him um, and, and, you know, make him the face of our franchise and, and try and start with this quarterback that just has been given a shit situation but has, has potential. Um, the thing with Dwayne in Indianapolis is that, like I said, I don't think you can start him next season. So that would mean that you bring Phil back for another year, um, which depends on how his season goes. Obviously, Jacoby Brissett is a very valuable backup and a very powerful voice in that organization, but I do believe at a certain point he is going to want to try and be, be a starter again or at the very least is going to be um, you know, paid too much to be on the Colts roster. So at some point that relationship's coming to an end. The only other reason that makes it a little bit more difficult is they're still giving it a shot with Jacob Eason. They're trying to make him that developmental guy. Maybe they strike gold. Who knows? Um, 
So, you know, for me, the Colts don't make sense until after the season. That way you've gotten a full year with Eason. You say, okay, do we think this guy can, you know, does he project as a future starter? Does he not? You can make the decision to move on from him. And then you could bring back Phil for another year, keep Jacoby as the backup, and then have Dwayne be the developmental guy. You know, have him replace Jacob Eason in that role. So, um, really the one that sticks out to me more than anything is Tampa. I just think the fit with Bruce and Tom and giving him the opportunity to learn for a year and a half would be perfect. San Francisco, kind of the same situation. Learn from Kyle. Jimmy's, you know, Jimmy is, is a mature quarterback, um, so I guess you, you, there's still stuff to learn from Jimmy, so I think that would be helpful too. And also say, hey, if it gets to a point where Jimmy doesn't develop the way we want and Dwayne does, um, interesting situation if you get into the 2022 season. And then the last one, the Colts. I'm just throwing it in there. I think any... Young develop, developmental quarterback that needs time to sit. Um, the Colts make a lot of sense because they've got cap room. Um, they've got quarterbacks. They've got a good system going. They're an organization that just has it going right um, right now. So those three teams really stuck out to my head first. Other ones that I'd throw in there, kind of like a, a situation with San Francisco. Tennessee, take a flyer on him. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe Tannehill regresses. Maybe Dwayne develops. Um, you know, that's another situation. I'd also throw in Minnesota with a Kirk Cousins type situation too. Have Kirk's, you know, write out his contract, see if you can get anything out of him. A lot of teams should take a look at Dwayne Haskins because the price is not going to be much. And it's a low risk, high reward opportunity if things work out. If not, you move on from him before the contract really gets out of hand with the fifth year option. Um, and if it works... You, you, you might find, you know, a, a very good quarterback. He just needs time. He was rushed onto the field because he had to be. You know, that was never the plan in Washington. He was going to be on the bench for a while as he grew. And, and because they had to rush him, it's, it's not been going well. And it's, it might be time to, uh, well, it looks like it's time for them to, to make the switch. All right, so last thing we're going to talk about today, uh, my top 10 teams in the NFL right now. Very interesting list. Um, there might be... Uh, you know, really, there are two teams in here that I don't want to put on this list. Um, and they're actually 10 and 9. So it's a pretty easy ones to say like, you know, okay, well, they're close. There are some teams on the come up that I think could creep in there. Um, to me, one of the winners of Colts Browns this week is going to move up in there. You know, they're they're 4 and 1 at that point, whoever takes home that game victory against a 3 and 1 opponent. Um, you know, Cleveland has beaten, you know, a, a, a good offense, but bad record in the Dallas Cowboys, beat the Bengals. Um, and then on the flip side for the Colts, you know, they beat the 3-0 Bears. They have looked really impressive on defense. Uh, the offense needs to get humming before I feel really comfortable as a top 10 team. Those two teams are close. Obviously, the Titans are close as well, too. But I, I just want to disband them as a franchise right now for, you know, the, the drama that they've caused with COVID. Um, they're not going to be on my top 10. We just haven't seen them, and also, you know, the opponents that they've beaten aren't aren't great. They barely lost to Jacksonville. They almost lost to Minnesota. Um, they barely beat Denver. All three of those teams have a combined what one or two wins on the season? Two wins. Those three teams, I think, two or three. So I, I'm not ready to put Tennessee in the top ten yet. Um, but if I did, you know, these top two teams at ten and nine would be the ones to easily get the um, get swapped out because I'm not. I just, I'm not there yet with them. Um, but 
Let's kick it off. We're going to go 10 to 1, my top 10 teams, give you a few reasons why I have them in here, any questions that I have, and what I believe, um, you know, where I, where I kind of just project them and, and across the league. So um, to me, it's a strong 1 through 8, and then 9 through 15, I think, gets a little messy. Um, but at number 10, going to the AFC North, we've got the Pittsburgh Steelers here. 3-0, didn't get to see them play last week because their game with the Titans was postponed. Um, biggest reason I just, I haven't seen a whole lot on offense that excites me. You know, their defense, they have one of the best front sevens in football. Secondary is very strong too. Good offensive line, but I just don't love the skill positions. I think they're very inconsistent at running back. I think receivers, I still am waiting for Juju to prove to me that I, you know, to me, he still isn't a for sure number one wide receiver. I think he just benefits so much more from having a second guy, um, you know, having someone ahead of him in terms of, you know, defenses paying attention. He really flourished in that wide receiver two role. The, the ones, I, he's a good one. I just don't know if he's a consistent, always going to be dominant number one wide receiver. Um, obviously, they're still trying to figure things out with Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. So those guys, as they start to, you know, if they continue to develop, I'll feel a lot more comfortable about the receiving core. Tight end is still a little washy. Is Eric Ebron going to be Eric Ebron when he had Andrew Luck? Or is it going to be Eric Ebron outside of Andrew Luck where every year was inconsistent? Um, and then Ben, he, he's looked good. I, I, don't, I don't have any reservations about him. Um, but, you know, we have to start questioning health at a certain point. Hopefully he can stay upright for a full season. Uh you know, so Pittsburgh is, is in my top 10, um, mostly because of that defense. I just need to see a little bit more from the offense to really consider them as, okay, yeah, they deserve to be on this list with, you know, teams one through eight. And the other team I'm going to throw in there too, um, kind of, well, no, not, not the same situation. Uh, number nine, I've got the New Orleans Saints. They're a team that I say, I, I'm still not ready to put them um, and say that they are, they deserve to be in the likes of teams one through eight. Um, I've got them at number nine. I think the defense is good, but it has its flaws. We've seen, you know, specific defenders just get picked on each game. It's like, oh, they keep targeting, um, what's his old ass? My Malcolm Jenkins. Oh, they keep targeting him. They keep exposing him. You know, if you have players that can just routinely be picked apart, that is a flaw on your defense because every team is going to know that that, that that individual can get picked on. You know, Darren Waller bullied, bullied. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins in that game. Um, but it's a really good defense. You know, I still think, like I said, I've got them in here as a top 10 team. I just think one through eight, and then, you know, it, it gets a little bit tricky after that. Um, offensively, the only concern is Drew Brees for me. It's the only concern for me. Obviously, they need to get uh, Michael Thomas back, which will help out a lot. This has been a really great opportunity for the connection to build between Brees and Emmanuel Sanders. You know, it's, it's just, it's taking time. It's, it's getting moving. If Michael Thomas comes back and Emmanuel is still popping off, I feel a lot more confident with the Saints. Um, and then look, Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara's playing like the best running back in the league. You know, it's, it's him and Dalvin right now that are just dominating. I love what Alvin provides in the pass game. Um, he's, you know, just, he's really one of those guys that I say, okay, I, I get paying him. I understand paying him. Um... Saints at number nine, like I said, I, I just need to see Michael Thomas back. I need to see more consistency defense. I mean, they're allowing a lot of points. You know, Detroit isn't one to score a lot of points. If you can only put up, you know, I think they put up 26 on the Cardinals. And then you put up in the 30s 
against the, uh, or how much did they put up against the Saints? Maybe I'm just speaking wrong about that. We're going to search that up right now. Um, Saints-Lions final score was, okay, so it was 29. So I guess they didn't get into the 30s, but they put up points on the Saints defense. Um, you know, the Raiders put up points on them. The Packers did. The Lions did. Teams are scoring on this New Orleans defense. Um, so, look, I, I think they're a great team. I, I, I just get the label as a Saints hater. I hope putting them in the top 10 doesn't, you know, oh, you only put them at nine. Yeah, I don't think that they're in the tier as these other eight teams. One of my top eight teams will win this Super Bowl this year. I, I think we're already at that point. Usually by weeks eight or nine, I can narrow it down to the top five teams that I say will win the Super Bowl this year. Um, obviously, you know, I had the Chiefs and 49ers in there last year, my top five throughout the season. One of my top eight teams on this list, I do not believe that a team nine or below on my list, even this far into the season, is going to win the Super Bowl. And honestly, I feel like one of my top, uh, I don't know. Okay, I'm still going to leave out seven, the chance that seven and eight could win the Super Bowl. I'm not going to narrow it down shorter than that. One of my top eight teams is going to win the Super Bowl this year. Number eight, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, you know, yes, they lost to the Saints in week one. I think teams have been, both teams have been trending in, in opposite directions since. Tampa, like I said, for the first month, it's going to be slow. They're going to have to start get, getting things rolling. And as we've seen last week against the Chargers, uh, the week before, they're getting things rolling. This offense is getting worked out. Now, yes, the injury to O.J. Howard sucks. You know, having to rely on Gronk and Brait more than they probably wanted to is going to be an issue. Um, but Mike Evans is back healthy. Hopefully they get Godwin back soon. Uh, the front seven, you know, the, there's three really great front sevens in football right now. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Indianapolis Colts, and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have an, uh, an electric front seven. Still a little shaky on the back end. I really like the emergence of Carlton Davis out of Auburn. Um, safety plays a little weak. They've got some young guys there as well, too, that are trying to get their feet under them um, as they transition to the NFL. Um, I got to give credit to Tom. I got to give credit to Tom. I thought that this was going to be Bruce Arians having to change the offense to fit Tom. Uh, Tom still has his arm. Still has his arm. He does. He, he can launch it. They were going a lot of deep passing concepts this past week. We're just slowly starting to see what this team looks like. They'll be trending up probably through the rest of the season. I feel really good where they're at. They're well coached. Um, you know, Todd Bowles is, is acting like one of the best defensive coordinators in football right now. Um, like I said, you know, the, the only things that really concern me, you know, losing O.J. Howard back into that defense, um, this team definitely still is capable of. This is a team that I definitely think has the potential to win the Super Bowl if they continue to just develop and get better um, offensively. Um, and like I said, Brady, I got to give him credit. You know, I always, when I take a look back at, I guess, I've always said in the um, Belichick-Brady era, I always gave it, I gave it about 65% to Belichick, 35% to Brady. I'd go 60-40. You know, we got to give a little more credit to, to Brady now from what we've seen with his arm. He's still capable. I know we're only a month in, so, you know, hopefully he can endure a 16-game season throwing down the field. Um, I have to give I have to give Brady more credit than I ever have usually, and and it's not like I haven't given Brady credit. You know he's the goat, um, but I definitely gave a lot more praise to Belichick for all that success than I did Brady. Um, and Brady has looked good in Tampa. He has. Number seven, the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, really, really love the Rams this year. I am not 
taking into consideration how slow it was in in um, their last game against the Giants. Things like that just happen. I've got you know a team right ahead of them that had a similar week. Um, the the Rams for me, I, I just I love their defense this year. Their defense is playing up to a much higher level than uh, last year. It seems like they're a little bit healthier as well too. Um, Jalen Ramsey playing at a at an elite level. He's back to where he should be. Um, it just took him some time to get used to that defense, to get working with his new teammates on the back end. And as long as the offensive line stays healthy and can give um, room for the run game and protection for Jared Goff, Sean McVay will dial up enough plays to get this team to the playoffs and try and push them deep in the playoffs. Um, let me see where I just have them in terms of in terms of in this power rankings. They're my th- third favorite. They're my third highest team in the NFC right now, which I said last week. So that shouldn't come as a surprise that I have them here. Um, but they're still staying there despite the bare, you know, very close, gritty win against the Giants. I'm not putting a whole lot into that where I'm downgrading my thoughts on the Rams. But like I said, I, I, you know, the weapons are great. Jared Goff is doing well. You know, when, when he has protection, time in the pocket, and a good, you know, supportive run game, he does well. Um, and then, like I said, you know, I like the three-headed monster uh, at the running back position. Cam Akers is coming back, I believe, this week. Um, love the Rams. This is a this is going to be a big year for Sean McVay. Uh, he was very frustrated with the way things went last year. Um, Todd Gurley really handicapped him to where it's like, we have the name Todd Gurley, so we have to give him the most amount of touches. We're also paying him a ton. Now he can kind of go more into his what we see with Bill Belichick and Kyle Shanahan. It's running back committee central, and uh, and it works. That's 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 the way the NFL works now. If you have a bell cow, great, but also make sure you have a good rotation in there. Um, so Rams at seven, just ahead of them, inches inches ahead of them, just because of their quarterback. I've got the Seattle Seahawks at number six, um, and I feel like people people are going to be. I, People are going to be mad at me for being down on the Saints. People are going to be mad at me for having the Seahawks this low. And look, I love, love, love Russell Wilson. I hope he can have a great season where he finally wins MVP. He is one of the best in the game. But this defense is one of the worst in football. And I mean that. I really mean that. There are some bad defenses out there. This, the Seahawks have one of the worst defenses, uh, especially in the front seven. There is nothing that gives me faith that they'll be good against the run. Um, and they, trying to think through their schedule so far, I don't believe they faced any great rush attacks. Now, I could be wrong, so just give me a second. Um, so let's see what they've got here. They have so far played the Falcons, Patriots, Cowboys, and Dolphins. So the one running back that sticks out is Ezekiel Elliott, who also is kind of having a little bit of a shaky year, um, and he didn't do well uh, against against the uh, the Seahawks. But they didn't run the ball that much. Uh, they only gave him 14 carries. They had to pass for the majority of that game because their defense was uh, atrocious, atrocious, atrocious. Wow, that, that's a good clip right there. That's a really big stutter for me. Um, atrocious. There we go. And so, you know, I'm not giving them anything on that one. The Cowboys were down earlier. They had to pass for the majority of that game. And I believe, like I said, I'm going to check this just to make sure before I say it. Yeah, he really wasn't that effective in that game at all. Um, So big test coming up this week. They've got Dalvin Cook. So, hey, do well against Dalvin Cook. Maybe I'll have uh, better thoughts on you. 
But also, look, you've given up 25 points to the Falcons, 30 points to the Patriots, 31 to the Cowboys, and 23 to the Dolphins. Um, I just don't have faith on this defense. Jamal Adams is a stud, but he is um, he's a liability in the pass game. He really is. Uh, the secondary, to me, is the strong suit of the defense, where the front seven has me worried. Offensively, this if this team can keep it up, they're going to be, you know, in the NFC title game. And look, I have them at six, but that's still the second best team in the NFC. This is a year where the AFC just looks a little bit better. Um, so I have the Seahawks in there at uh, at number six. Obviously, I haven't mentioned the New England Patriots yet, so that's going to be a very hot topic. Oh, the Seahawks beat the Patriots. I just it it comes down to it comes down to faith on both sides of the ball for me. I know they won that game. I think you play that game ten times. I think the Seahawks win four of them. I'll probably give the Patriots the edge six times out of ten in that one. Um, they really really picked apart that defense. Um, so Seahawks at six. Don't hate me. I still think they're, you know, they're going to be in the NFC title game if things continue the way that they are. On to number five, the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills, man. Josh Allen has been playing out of his mind. Let's just take a look at the stats. Oops, hold on. All right, so he's completing 71% of his passes, leads the league in passing yards, 12 touchdowns, one interception. One. That's Josh Allen. We're talking about Josh Allen, the guy who is turnover-prone, uh, fidgety with the ball, inaccurate. He's completing 71% of his passes, 12 touchdowns, one pick. I told you guys he just needed a receiver. Just need a receiver. John Brown's not a number one. Cole Beasley's not a number two. Stephon Diggs is a number one. John Brown is a great number two, and Cole Beasley is a terrific number three. It just They just needed it. They've got help on the offensive line. To me, why I have the Bills over a team like the Seahawks, and we will see them play each other um, at some point this season. I believe it is... Um, oh, do we not get to... Yeah, no, we see them play each other in uh, in November. So that'll be a very exciting game to watch. To me, the Bills, they're just right now better coached, and they're way, way better on defense. The Bills have a top three defense in the NFL. The Bills have a top three to five defense in the NFL. The Seahawks have one of the worst ones, and so, you know, yes, Russell Wilson is better than Josh Allen, and yes, he has been, you know, he has the better receiving options in terms of Lockett and DK, um, Chris Carson. The Bills, to me, it's just like from top to bottom, they've just got it figured out. They know they 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 know their identity, they're sticking to it, they remind me just like the um, just like the Ravens just like the Chiefs, just like the Patriots. They have their identity, and from top to bottom, they are all pushing towards that one goal. I still feel like there's a disconnect in, in this way with how Pete wants to wants the offense to look, and now they're finally letting Russ cook, so it's opening up a bit. But I just I, I have the Bills at five. The only reason I can't put them up any higher is I still need more from the ground game. I need more from Singletary. I need more from Zach Moss. Um, I forget who the third one they have in there as well, too. I just need to see more out of the run game to know that Josh Allen even has that extra level of support. He's got the support on defense. He's got the support in coaching. He's got the support at receiver. I need more support at running back to say, okay, this team can contend with Baltimore, can contend with New England, can contend with the Chiefs. Um, God, I'm, I'm realizing I have the Patriots really high on this list, and I... 
Oh, we'll get there. All right, number four, Baltimore Ravens. I feel like this is also one of those teams where it's like, oh, you have them below New England. Just right now, I look, they have one of the best defenses in football, a great offensive line, young playmakers. The, the thing with Baltimore this year is the rush game is not where it was a year ago. Mark Ingram is not playing as well. Dobbins is still trying to figure things out. You've thrown Gus Edwards there sometimes for a few plays. The run game, if it can't get going as well as it can, I have less confidence in them being able to put away teams when they've got a lead. They're great protecting a lead. But I have less confidence this year against other great offenses just because their run game hasn't been as strong. Um, and as we've seen, look, it's happened three or four times now. So we can start to say that this might be a thing. Lamar might not be one of those guys that can pull you out of, of deficits. We just haven't seen it yet. It's a fair assessment now. It wasn't a fair assessment after he had played six games and lost to Pittsburgh in the playoffs. I'll even say it wasn't a fair assessment when he couldn't come back against the Titans. But we, we saw it this past uh, two weeks ago against the Chiefs now. So I'd say, you know, we're in year three. I'd like to see a start and make a little bit of a comeback. I'm just even, I'm not even asking you to win the game. Just make it a little bit closer. You know, score while you're behind. We don't get that. Um, we haven't gotten that yet. And that worries me because when you want to be one of the best teams, I want to see you come from behind. You know, with a team like the Bills. Yeah, they blew a 28-3 lead to the Rams, but they went on a game-winning drive. You know, we've seen the Seahawks come back from shaky games. Um, you know, we've seen Tampa go back and forth with the Chargers. New England, you know, fought back against Seattle. We haven't seen it yet with Baltimore, and that's my only reservation. Because if Lamar can be one of those guys counted on in the fourth quarter, sure, they, they can be even higher than four. And four is not bad, a bad spot to be. But for the time being, I just don't feel comfortable putting them ahead of my top three teams. Um, and let's dive into those three. Number three, I got the New England Patriots. And I'm, I'm mad at myself for having them this high because obviously they're a two and two football team. They've now lost to the Chiefs and the Seahawks. Chiefs I have ahead of them. Seahawks I obviously have below them. Um, but to me, kind of like where I give Tampa the edge over New Orleans, is as the year goes on, they're only going to get better. They're only going to continue to trend in the right direction. They lost to Kansas City with Brian Hoyer and then Jarrett Stidham for a little bit. And clearly, that's not how this team functions. This team functions with Cam Newton and it puts up a lot of points with Cam Newton. And hey, it was a close game until those quarterbacks in New England started turning the ball over against the Chiefs. The Chiefs weren't getting anything going until late in that game, and then a defensive touchdown made it seem like a bigger win than it actually was. New England hung around. They shut down that Chiefs offense for the majority of that game. So I have a lot of faith in the New England defense still. I was a little worried because... Um, you know, they had so many opt-outs, and now obviously with Stefan Gilmore testing positive for COVID, hopefully he can return back soon. Um, but to me, New England, if they're a team that makes a move at wide receiver, I think they can stay up here. Um, so that's my only question. You know, it's in the pass game. Can they get something out of Nikhil Harry? Can Julian Edelman stay healthy? Can they get any tight ends to start get going? But the way that they've got this mentality um, where they're just going to be power run, they're going to get you on some play actions here or there. Quarterback runs, between the tackle runs. Like I said, they were going to be this year. I said all year, they're just going to be a power run offense. And defenses have gotten too small to keep up with teams like the Chiefs and the Ravens. 
that they're just going to bludgeon you in the trenches. And they're doing that and still being able to put up points. Patriots, I am never, never going to doubt Bill Belichick. He always has stuff planned out. And, and despite being 2-2, two and two, I think this is a very good football team. Number two, my top team in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, not a whole lot to say about them. I think from top to bottom, they are tremendous. They have one of the best secondaries, which we need to start giving a little more credit. Jair Alexander is playing like a top cornerback in this league coming out of Louisville. Very young guy. Um, you know, him, Marshawn Lattimore, and, uh, you know, obviously Gilmore, he's a little bit older, that, so I'm not, you know, putting him in it. So, like, give me Tredavious White, Marshawn Lattimore, Jair Alexander. Those three are, like, the, the up-and-coming, like, soon-to-be just stud cornerbacks. Um, Josh Jones in that secondary. Um, they've got good safety play. Linebacker is the only position where I'm a little worried. That's it right now. And obviously, when Devontae Adams isn't playing, they have to rely on a bunch of no-names at receiver. But when you've got Aaron Rodgers playing out of his mind at you know the age of, what, 36 now, this is, to me, the team to beat in the NFC right now. They just they have it figured out. The run game is terrific. The offensive line is healthy. The defense is great. And Rodgers, like I said, man, he's balling out. You know, everybody's going to... Everybody, the, the, the campaign for the year at MVP is going to be, well, Russ hasn't won it yet. But we got to just keep track of guys like, like Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers, with their, where their seasons are going. Because I'm not... Like, look, I agree. Russell Wilson is playing out of his mind. The Miami game, interesting, to say the least. So... Um, you know, obviously we'll see how he continues through the rest of the season, but man, Rodgers, Josh Allen, uh, we're talking about the Packers right now, so I want to focus on Rodgers, but he's just playing great. Um, and I don't have questions. I don't have questions about this team. The only question is when Devontae Adams isn't healthy, who is Rodgers going to make look like a stud? It was that tight end, the Tanyan guy with three touchdowns. The week before it was uh, Jay Sternberger. Rodgers will make it work with whoever's there. They're Easily a top two team when Devontae Adams is playing. And then number one, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I, I picked a Chiefs-Packers Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. I still feel good about that. Uh, the Chiefs, like I said with the Packers, there's not a lot to talk about them. I don't have questions. I don't. You know, the offense, oh, it looked a little, it looked like it was a little shaky against the Patriots. That happens when you play the Patriots. You know, there's a reason Darren Waller balled out against the Saints and then the next week at New England had two catches for nine yards. You know, New England's defense just shuts you down sometimes. Um, they were able to still win by double digits. Uh, they looked very impressive in, you know, what was a shaky game. And look, now they've beaten the Ravens. They've beaten, or no, yeah, they've beaten the Ravens, the Texans, the Patriots. They haven't lost since the, uh, since what, the middle of last season? They're on a roll. They're the best team in football. Best, uh, you know, Andy Reid's great coach. Steve Spagnola, I told you guys, was going to be a good defensive coordinator. I don't know if it was on this podcast. I think it was when I was doing uh, Reasonably Outrageous with Matt Wyrick, and I talked about it then. I was all about the hire. I thought it was going to work well. It has. The defense looks great. Um, tackle play is the concern there. You know, it's still been shaky, so obviously something to monitor. So I have, you know, small questions at tackle for the Chiefs, at linebacker for the Packers. Those are the top two teams to me still. Um, and, you know, as they head into to week five of the NFL season, hopefully they continue to, to stay strong. Um, very interested to see 
what reactions you guys have to my top 10 just to run through it one last time. At number one, the Kansas City Chiefs. At number two, the Green Bay Packers. Three, the New England Patriots. Four, the Baltimore Ravens. Five, the Buffalo Bills. Six, the Seattle Seahawks. Rams at number seven. Number eight goes to Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers. Nine, where this really starts to separate for me, you know, from the top eight. Uh, nine, I've got the Saints. And then 10, I've got the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, to me on this list, the ones that could move the most in a given week, you know, I, I definitely think I could move up the, the Seahawks a little bit higher than six. Um, so I'll admit there, you know, I am just still a little hesitant because of their defense. But if it starts to show out, I will obviously be able to put them up towards, you know, like a Green Bay, Kansas City, Baltimore. Um, and the one that I might be a little too high on right now is the Patriots. I could just be wrong. I could be way too optimistic about a two and two team, or it could be right. You know, maybe they've, maybe they are that great of a team with Cam at quarterback. So that's my list. Um, I don't think any of these teams outside of New Orleans and Pittsburgh could fall out of the top 10 in one week. I think one through eight, like I said, I think they could at least stay up there. Um, the only two that could really fall off this list for me as we will do this. I don't know if we'll do this every week. We might do this every other, maybe every month. Um, but New Orleans and Pittsburgh could, could easily fall out of here pretty quickly. But that'll wrap things up for today. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, make sure to uh, rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Um, really appreciate the support. Reach out to me. Tell me what you like. Let me know where I'm wrong on this list. Very intrigued. Let me know who you think should be uh, taking over the job in Houston, where Dwayne Haskins should go. We will be back on Friday with Teddy Pristash doing bets against the spread for week five of the NFL season. Another successful week for Teddy and I. Um, you know, both of us are, are hitting a good percentage of our bets. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you on Friday. Peace.